to the Vegology Podcast with your host, Jenny. And Matt Morris. In this episode, we're going to be talking all about obscure ingredients that are used in vegan cooking. Yes, what they are, where to find them, and how to use them. That's right. But before we get into the fun stuff, we're going to be talking about what we ate this week, as usual. And what did we eat this week? Well, we did eat at Kate's Pancake House in Carolina Beach, North Carolina. In the last episode, we did mention that we were going to the beach and we were excited about eating here. And we made that magic happen. And I had the breakfast skillet there. Yes, and I had the breakfast tofu burrito. Yeah, I think, isn't the breakfast... To a burrito pretty much the same as the skillet just in a wrap or um, no or is it different no it has cheese in it so you got to request that they leave that out i okay. don't think the skillet has cheese i don't think it's something that you need to mention okay all righty well it was very very good and we absolutely loved it so if you're ever in carolina beach north carolina definitely visit kate's pancake house and then we also had this week um little tomato mozzarella basil stacks with a little side of quinoa so basically it was just slices of tomato with homemade vegan mozzarella in between each slice with a little bit of basil and it was delicious very summery yes very much a summery (laughs) fresh light and delicious meal and then lastly the highlight that we want to make note of is one of your faves that's absolutely correct. The crabby cakes are on the tops of my list. Yeah, so we made our vegan crab cakes uh, made with hearts of palm and with tartar sauce. And we usually have that over mixed greens in the summer. So it's a nice salad. Again, another lovely summer meal. And that tartar sauce is banging, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said you could swim through that shit, it's right? great. So good. It makes no sense. <laughs> Yep, so that's what we had to eat this week, and we really hope that that inspires you when you're doing meal planning or trying to just think up things to make during the week. And now on to our vegan product highlight, and this week we've gone with a delicious snack, which is Earth Balance Vegan Cheddar Squares. And these are definitely one of your favorites. Yes. (laughs) You love these things. I limit myself, but I love them because I used to love eating Cheez-Its, and these are pretty much the vegan version of Cheez-Its. Yeah, I was never a big Cheez-It person. I liked them, but you seem to have an infatuation with them. Mm-hmm. So these Earth Balance Vegan Cheddar Squares, I find them to be very tasty, and to me, they taste just like Cheez-Its, and you go nuts over them. I do. It's one of my go-to snacks. And they're non-GMO and like Matt said, like they're very similar to Cheez-Its and it's just a memory thing. It's one of those things and I've been vegan for, oh geez, I forget how long, Um, almost 12 years now, I believe. And so when I first discovered these Earth Balance Cheddar Squares, I was just absolutely in love with them because it just brought me right back. And it was just one of those things that I kind of missed. So very good. You can find them at Whole Foods um, and then other health food stores. And you're start, we're starting to see them more in mainstream grocery stores, too. So keep an eye out for them. And of course, you can buy them online. Uh, you can always find them online. Everything's online. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
But that is our vegan product highlight, and I will include a link in the show notes so that way you can check them out, see what the ingredients are, and hopefully find, I don't know if they have a store locator on there, but uh, you can go check them out. Okay, so now on to our main topic this week, which is obscure ingredients used in vegan cooking. Yes, so if you're new to the vegan world, or you're simply just curious and have been browsing through some recipes for some inspiration, then maybe you're unfamiliar with some of these things. So hopefully we can shed some light and some clarification on some of these new items. Yep, because these are ingredients that are commonly used in the vegan kitchen. So let's get started. We're going to start with chia seeds, which I think a lot of people may have heard of because they're they, they're definitely more popular now, not only in vegan cooking, but just across the board. But we're going to discuss it here. So chia seeds are super healthy. When they're mixed with liquid, they absorb that liquid that they're in and they swell up to like three times their size. So it makes a gel-like substance, which works great as a binder or like an egg replacer in a lot of recipes. And chia seeds, like I said, are super healthy. They're considered a complete protein, meaning they contain all nine essential amino acids. And chia seeds are also high in fiber, antioxidants, manganese, and the big one, omega-3 fatty acids. So they are a nutrition powerhouse. And a lot of times you can just toss them into smoothies, juices, you can use them in baking, overnight oats, and also to make jams. And I will tell you that I use them most frequently making smoothies, overnight oats, and I do make different fruit jams with the chia seeds. It's super easy. And these little gems of goodness are magical. And I have to admit when I first heard of them, I knew I had heard of them, but I didn't really know what they were. And maybe you're in that same boat. Yep. So if you haven't checked them out, go ahead. They're fairly inexpensive and they can be found at most grocery stores now. And of course, online. (laughs) (laughs) Next, we have aquafaba. And this might be something that you have never heard of before because it's, it's not as commonly known as other ingredients. But this is also another versatile ingredient and it can be used as an egg replacer and also a binder. It has a very neutral flavor, so you can pretty much do whatever you want with it. And what aquafaba is, it's the brine or juice that comes in a can of beans. Um, So either a can of beans or if you make a homemade batch of beans. So, and most commonly, It's the juice of like a can of chickpeas or some other neutral flavored bean. So it's a great substitute for egg whites, especially. So for example, when whipped, it turns into a white fluffy goodness that can be used for whipped cream and different meringues. It's also a great egg replacer in baking. So three tablespoons of aquafaba is enough to replace one egg and it's so much healthier than a chicken egg no hormones cholesterol or any other bad stuff that comes along with that and when this one came into our world i had no clue what it was (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, you were excited when I made whipped cream for the first time. Yes, I love whipped cream. <laughs> yep, and it's super easy to do. All you do is take the liquid. I use I use it from a can of chickpeas. So you take the liquid and you just put it, for example, I put it in the KitchenAid mixer and I just whisk it for 10, 15 minutes. It does take a little bit of time, but you keep whipping it and it's insane how it just turns into this, just like egg whites, turns into this very fluffy white substance that has hard peaks like you would get with egg whites. So it is truly phenomenal to see it happen and to see it in action. And I do love using aquafaba as an egg replacer. So that's just using the liquid and substituting it for an egg. So again, three tablespoons is enough to replace one egg in baking or or whatever else you're trying to do if you're using it as a binder. And next we have one of my favorites, I should say our favorites, is nutritional yeast, aka nooch. So this is one of the the most essential ingredients. I think it is the most essential ingredient in a plant-based kitchen because it adds a cheesy flavor to many foods like cheesy sauces, soft cheeses, hard cheeses. It takes on a cheesy, nutty, savory taste. And if you get fortified nooch, it's a good source of the essential vitamin B12. But this is what you use to get that cheesy flavor that you might be missing when you first go on a plant-based diet. And this is definitely a staple in our kitchen. You put it on so many things. Mm -hmm. And you're right. It's a cheesy goodness. Yep. And we make our famous nacho cheese with it. And that just blows everybody away when they taste that nacho cheese. It's fantastic. Yep. And a lot of like the hard cheeses, the hard vegan cheeses that we make, we use in it. I use it in like Alfredo sauce, um, all kinds of stuff. Like anything that you want to add like a little cheesy flavor to. Nutritional yeast is perfect. Homemade Parmesan cheese, which is super simple to make. So nutritional yeast is definitely a staple in a plant-based kitchen. Now, I will say the first time I tried it, I thought it was the most disgusting thing. I made this bogus cheese recipe that I found online and it wasn't good and I let that determine whether I was going to eat it again and I didn't. I didn't eat nutritional yeast for like a year and a half to two years after that first attempt. I don't know if I knew that. Yeah, I hated it. I thought it was disgusting because, you know, I think when you're a newbie um, vegan, you, you expect things to taste exactly like the dairy version and and it just doesn't and I I tried my first time hand at making like a vegan cheese sauce and it just it it was horrible I was scarred by it enough that I didn't eat it again for two years but then once I learned how to cook plant-based meals and you know I decided to try it again and it worked out fantastic now I absolutely love it so if you don't like it the first time you try it don't give up it might just be the recipe that you're using actually you know what if this is your first time and you haven't tried it yet you need to try the vegan cheese sauce that I have and it's on vegology.com so you can easily find it and that's a great point you made about in the beginning expecting things to taste exactly like the dairy version and if it's not exact you just push it away right away and it takes a little bit so you can appreciate it for 
how it tastes on its own. Right. Absolutely. So don't just give up. Next, we have quinoa. So a lot of people have heard of quinoa by now. This isn't really an obscure ingredient, but it's one that is still alien to other people. So I wanted to talk about it. So it is referred to as a grain, but it's actually a seed. And quinoa cooks faster than rice. It only takes about 10, 15 minutes to cook. And it contains all nine essential amino amino acids. So it is considered a complete protein. And this ingredient is also extremely versatile, and it's a healthy food that's also suitable for those on a gluten-free diet. And this has been a staple in our kitchen for quite some time. You use that a lot, and it's always tasty. Yes. And I will say one tip that I have when you're you, when you're cooking quinoa, always rinse it thoroughly before you cook it, even if it says on the package that it's been pre-rinsed, do it again because it tends to have a bitter taste to it if you don't do that. So definitely make sure you rinse it so that way you reduce the the risk of, of having that bitter taste. But when I cook it in the pot, it cooks just like rice and you can just add whatever season. I usually just cook it in vegetable broth. Depending on what flavor profile I'm looking for, I'll add different seasonings. But it really does take on, you know, whatever flavor that you're cooking it in. And it's very good. It also acts as a really good binder. Like I've used it in, um, I've used cooked quinoa in like veggie burger recipes. And it acts as like a really good binder for that as well. So like I said, it is pretty versatile. You can use it in different things. And it's really good. So this is a staple in our house. We always have quinoa on hand. Absolutely. And next up we have jackfruit. So... This is a fruit that often becomes a staple in meat-free diets. So it has a remarkably similar texture to like pulled pork or pulled chicken. It has a stringy, meaty texture when it's cooked. So also when it's cooked, it soaks up flavors very, very well. So a little fun fact for you is that jackfruit is the largest tree fruit in the world. And on average, it can weigh up to 30 to 50 pounds. They're huge. Yes. So (laughs) the only place I've ever seen it in a store, you can get it at like, we see it at our local Asian market. So, and you can buy the whole fruits and they're like bigger than your head. It's massive. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like 50 pounds. Just picture that. It's, it's incredible. Now I've heard, I've never bought an actual jackfruit. I've never bought a fresh one, but I heard that they're a lot sweeter when they're fresh like that. I've only used canned ones and I'm fine with that because when you see this thing, it's huge. It looks like a massive football. And it has spikes all over it. And it looks I, like one of those Australian rules footballs. <laughs> what is that? Hey, you ever see them? They're, like, no. they're shaped like a football, but they're more like um, bloated. Oh, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of you might get that yes. out there. But we, uh, yeah, but we've only ever used the canned, and that is perfectly fine. If you do use the can, I'd recommend that you get it if it's just um, stored in water, not oil a lot of times you'll i don't want to say a lot of times but sometimes you'll see it um stored in oil in the can and and you definitely i would just recommend that you avoid that and plus i'm happy with the can version because if the real fresh fruit is sweeter than the can right i find the cans to be kind of sweet on their own so i wouldn't want them that much sweeter exactly But, but if you do 
get the real deal. Yeah, if you want to play with it, more power to you. Go ahead. Um, yeah, and, and like Matt said, that's a good point, that even in the can, it tends to be a little sweet. So you definitely want to keep that in mind. And one tip to kind of curb that a little bit is definitely rinse it. But when you pull it apart before you cook it, I would just put it on like a sheet pan and put it in the oven and roast it for a little bit. It also gives it like a a good texture too like when you're making barbecue and making jackfruit barbecue is super simple so you would just do that and then you would put it in i usually use the crock pot i'll throw the jackfruit in a crock pot and just put our favorite barbecue sauce on it and just have it like slow cook for a couple hours so it's that's all you have to do and if you want to make your own barbecue sauce you certainly can but we just usually use the store-bought kind and throw some coleslaw over top of, of it. Of course, yes. If you don't put coleslaw on your barbecue, friends, I'm telling you, it sounds, to some it might sound weird. And it did when we first moved to the South. We were like, that is crazy. That's, we thought it was the most disgusting thing we ever heard. However, it is amazing. But then it helps that you make such a wonderful coleslaw too. So it definitely enhances the plate. Mm-hmm. And to make the coleslaw... Another tip is you're just going to, in place of dairy mayonnaise, you're just going to use vegan mayonnaise. Like just mayo is our favorite. And then you can use all the same ingredients that you usually do for coleslaw. Super easy. Next up, we have seitan. Hail seitan. (laughs) So seitan is also known as wheat gluten. It's also known as mock duck in Asian restaurants. You'll see it on the menu referred to as mock duck. And then it's also referred to as wheat meat. So seitan is a plant-based alternative to meat that has a very close texture to animal meat. So if if you miss that texture, then seitan is a really good option for you. And it's very high in protein, extremely high. It can be used to substitute vegan sausages, steaks, roasts, burgers, uh, meatloaf. We've done fried chicken breasts with it. I Not chicken breast, but you know what I mean. It just depends on how you season it. It's all about the seasoning, people. So you can kind of give it a chicken-esque flavor. If you miss steak, you can give it a steak-esque flavor, um, an Italian sausage flavor, or make breakfast sausages. There's so much you can do with seitan. You can pretty much turn it into whatever you want. So especially if you miss red meat foods, it's definitely something that will, will help you curb those cravings if you're a newbie. We haven't had those chicken breasts in a while. They're very good. Those fried chicken breasts you make, they they're are. so good. Yeah. We need to have them sometime soon. I'll yeah. make a mental note. And the one thing about seitan, though, is it is wheat gluten. So um, you'll see it in the stores referred to as vital wheat gluten. And you can find it at most like health food stores. You can definitely find it at Whole Foods. Um, I know Kroger carries it. There's a lot of mainstream grocery stores that carry it as well. But if you are gluten sensitive or gluten intolerant, definitely um, you want to either limit or completely stay away if you're intolerant of seitan because you it will affect you. I personally am sensitive to wheat gluten, so we don't eat a lot of seitan here. But if I limit myself, then it's okay. I just can't eat an abundance of it all the time. Otherwise, my whole body goes out of whack. Sometimes I feel like even though you know what's going to happen to your body, you still eat too much. 
I know it's so good. <laughs> I know it's that balance. And I definitely condone listening to your body. So even though I still eat seitan, even though it affects me sometimes, I definitely limit myself. I'm much better than I used to be. You have to admit that. Maybe. <laughs> All right. So our next ingredient is miso. So miso is a fermented paste made from a couple different things, either soy, you can find it made out of rice, chickpeas, and other beans and grains. So it is a staple in Japanese cuisine. You'll find most miso makes an excellent soup base, but it's also great in dressings, marinades, dips, sauces, spreads, and so much more. So it is definitely really good for gut health. I try to use miso in place of like vegetable broth sometimes. I definitely use it in soups. I love making different sauces with it. And it is just a really good, healthy ingredient to have. So again, it's really good for your gut health. And it's something we always have on hand. So we have yellow miso, white miso, we have brown miso. So depending on what flavor you're looking for, I would definitely just play around with it. Uh, I should say brown rice miso is what we have. That's really good when you're making like vegan cheddar cheeses. It's really good. It kind of adds that little unami flavor to it. Definitely different soups depending on what you're going for. I've used it in like a French onion soup. So there's a lot of different things that you can do. But miso pretty much is is flavor. It's flavor. It's used to flavor soups and and dressings and marinades and, and so forth. We haven't had your French onion soup in a while either. We add that to the list. It's summer, and that's more of a winter soup. That is correct, but it's still good. I know. (laughs) (laughs) And don't think just because you're eating a plant-based diet that you can't enjoy a good French onion soup, because it is 100% possible. It's so good. And miso miso helps make that happen. (laughs) So, all right, next we have tempeh. So we all heard of tofu. And tempeh is kind of like its cousin. So it's also made from soy, actually made from fermented soybeans. And it's full of healthy bacteria. Again, really good for your gut health. And it works very well in a lot of recipes. So for example, we make a lot of tempeh bacon, tempeh breakfast hash, breakfast sausages we'll make out of tempeh, uh, breakfast sausage patties. Uh, we'll use it for taco filling and so much more. It can take the place of like ground beef if you want, and then you would just season it properly. But tempeh will pick up whatever flavor it is cooked with, so it's really great to use, and it's very versatile. And it's also a plant protein powerhouse. Oh my. Yes. <laughs> so tempeh is really good. So if you haven't tried it, you can find them in these long rectangular bricks. And they're usually, what's that, shrink wrap? The Shrink wrap? Shrink wrap. <laughs> but you can find it in most grocery stores. So Vacuum sealed. Vacuum sealed. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> shrink wrap. <laughs> um, so yeah, tempeh is great. So don't be afraid to give it a try. It looks a little weird. I know I thought it looked a little weird when I first saw it. It does look weird, yes. Yeah, but it's really, really good. 
And our last ingredient is something that I know we've talked about on the podcast before, especially when we were talking about how to make vegan deviled eggs. And this ingredient is Kalanamak, if I'm saying that right. It's really known as black salt. But when you try to find it in the store or online, you definitely want to search for Kalanamak. I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but it's K-A-L-A. Second word, N-A-M-A-K. So even though it's called black salt, the color is actually like a light pink. And what makes this really great is that it has a sulfur taste. And I know (laughs) that probably doesn't sound great, but that gives certain dishes an eggy flavor. So it's great to use in like tofu scrambles, quiches. I use it when I make chickpea flour omelets. And of course, the vegan deviled eggs that I make. And anything else that you might want to give a little bit of eggy flavor to. So black salt can be found in some natural food stores, but your best and cheapest bet is to get it at like an Indian market. So if you have an Indian market near you, you can get it for super cheap. If not, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it on other natural food websites. You know, it's out there for you. And it's baffling how cheap it is at the Indian market in comparison to other stores. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> you can get it. You can get like a, a pretty decent pack of it at the Indian market for like a dollar fifty or something. I think is what we pay. And online, I think I've paid, before I f- discovered that. I think I paid like six to nine dollars for a uh, a jar of it so just keep that in mind definitely look at your options as far as where to get it and what's the cheapest but yeah it's really good and definitely an essential ingredient in our kitchen especially if you like eggs yep Okay, so those are our obscure ingredients. I hope that we shed some light for you. You had a little aha moments and you go out and try some of these. So we hope that you do. And if I start up a band, I'm going to name it Kalanamak. <laughs> All right, you do that, babe. <laughs> so we do have a freebie for you. Um, this week and it is going to be a recipe for peach chia seed jam it is incredibly simple to make and it will get you started on using at least one of these ingredients so if you're a newbie and you want to try something out I'm handing it to you on a platter. It's a super easy thing to make. Peaches are in season at this time. But if you're listening to this podcast, maybe you haven't discovered us yet. And it's actually December and peaches aren't in season. Well, you can get them frozen or you could just use whatever fruit is in season because it works pretty much with with most fruits. I wouldn't call it peach chia seed jam if you use a different fruit, though. No, no, good, good point. <laughs> then you just switch out the name. <laughs> you could do that in your own head, I'm sure. <laughs> All right, so those are our ingredients. That's our main topic for the week. But before we go, we're going to talk about what we're excited about this week. What are we excited about? Well, Veg News reports that Impossible Foods, who makes the really good Impossible Burger that you can get it select restaurants and it's now i think burger king starting to to roll it out to a lot more locations they're also developing the impossible fish so if you are a seafood lover 
you should be very excited about this because they did a great job with the burger. And now they're coming out with, I don't even know what it is, some kind of seafood, some fish, but they're calling it Impossible Fish. Have no idea when it's coming out. I haven't been able to find any information on it. All I know is that they've announced that they are in development. And I'm anxious to try this. I was never the biggest seafood person, but I'm anxious to give it a try. Their burgers are good, so I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt on the fish. And I love your Krabby Cakes, so maybe there's a seafood lover in me yet. Maybe. And I'm with you. I, when I ate meat, I wasn't a big seafood person either, but, oh, and then we, oh, the Gardein. Gardein has fish fillets that are really good. Those are really good. Yeah. So everybody kept telling us, you need to try these, you need to try these, and we're just like, nah, nah, nah. And finally we did, and oh my God, they were so good. So I'm really anxious to see what Impossible uh, Foods does with theirs. And then the other exciting thing was that we were at Costco's the other day, which were huge Costco fans. Um, And we found macadamia nut milk there. Never heard of it before. Yeah, so we got a four-pack. I think you... No, six. Six come in a box. It was six, yes. And how much was it? I want to say I could be completely off base here, but was it like $13.99 or something or $9.99 or... Okay, yeah, so... I honestly don't remember. Okay, I think it came to like two-something a carton, I think. And... That means my thirteen ninety nine may have been accurate. I know. I remember I did the math okay. in my head after you got home, so I forget the total, but I remember it was like two something a, a carton, which isn't bad. That's about the the going rate for for that size. But yeah, so macadamia milk um, can be found at Costco, at least here in Raleigh. So we're usually one of the last to get some of the, <laughs> the vegan friendly ingredients or foods that can be found in other Costco's, like out in California. But we do have. This, so we're super excited about it. We haven't tried it yet. I've never had macadamia. Well, I, that's a lie. I've had it at like a coffee shop somewhere, but I can't really say that because I I don't know what it tastes like because I never drank it plain, only in my coffee. So we're excited to try it. But I just wanted to let everyone know that definitely check your Costco's because I know ours started selling it. Anything else, Maddie Mo? Before we go. I don't believe so. I think that wraps up another wonderful episode. Yeah, lots of good stuff. All right, so to get your peach chia seed jam, we're going to include the recipe in this week's Vegology newsletter, which it will be in your email box on Thursday. So if you haven't signed up for the newsletter, the link will be in the show notes. Uh, You can also go to vegology.com and sign up there as well. So if you like this episode, please share it. Give us a good review, and we would greatly appreciate that. Definitely, and keep the feedback coming. We're very happy to hear from our listeners. Yeah, we absolutely love it. So we're going to be highlighting some of our listener comments in upcoming episodes. So if you definitely have any feedback or something to say or any questions, don't hesitate to shoot us an email at hello at vegology.com. And we are happy to answer. We'll answer in a future episode. All right. And then with that said, we hope everybody has a wonderful week. Peace and love. love.